everyone, this is Nate Scott, and this is the For the Win Podcast, your home to everything that's buzzing in the world of sports. Sorry we missed uh, Tuesday this week. I was running up to New York. I was doing all sorts of crazy things, including with this man, my colleague, For the Win writer, Charles Curtis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. What is up? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Wanted to talk to you today about NBA, New York Knicks, Phil Jackson yeah. being a moron. Let's... <laughs> Let's break all this down. First, let's, I, I want to talk about Chris Stapps. I want to talk about Madison Square Garden. I want to talk about the team this year. Let's get out of the way the Phil talk. Um, if you missed it this week, Phil Jackson decided to lob a pot shot at LeBron James. I don't really know what he was thinking. I think it, 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 I, I'm still trying to figure out the motivation. I, I think it might have been something about trying to stoke the competitive fires in the Eastern Conference, or maybe he's just getting up there in age and just <laughs> was feeling a little grumpy. But he took a shot at LeBron James and his posse, um, a sort of loaded word, I guess, um, when talking about an African-American athlete, especially after what the NBA went through in the early 2000s. Were you totally surprised? What's Phil doing? It, you know what? It's, it's funny. It doesn't surprise me, and that's sad. I mean, I think that Phil Jackson has come across since becoming the president of the Knicks as being out of touch in so many different ways, yeah. right? Because just comments he said, um, some of the tweets that he sent out, you know, last, uh, it wasn't last year, it was earlier this year, he, he sent out a tweet about, you know, Steph Curry and comparing him. And I understood it later on, comparing him to uh, Sharif Abdurrahim. No, it was, it was yeah. uh, Abdurrahim. That's who it was. Yeah. And it was, no, did I get that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That's we'll who move on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so he, you know, and, and people going, well, what, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. how, how do you, you know, make that comparison? And he tried to kind of back it up. But all of a sudden, you're sort of like, well, why are you saying those things? And why do you believe those things? And, you know, if you really believe that, like, you're way out of touch. Steph Curry is so much different, you know, that, uh, that kind of player. But also this sort of, you know, sticking to the triangle and all of, all of those old fashioned kind of feeling things. And then for him to kind of drop this, you go, Oh my goodness! Like, what are you doing? So uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't surprise me, and that's that's not a good sign. And I think it's sort of the last straw, straw, excuse me, for you know people thinking that maybe he can turn this team around. Yeah, it was Mahmoud Abdul Abdul Rauf. Um, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Sorry, and uh, yeah, for me, it's just such a you know I was willing to dismiss sort of the rumblings that. Jackson was out of touch with a lot of this stuff. But it's clear the way he's talking right now, He's it's not only with the triangle that he still believes in this way of playing that's been outdated for about you know 12 years, but it's almost like he still has a view of the NBA in the way that it was 12 to 15 years ago. That to lob a critique at LeBron James for having a posse is the most outrageous thing in the world. LeBron James is an extremely successful businessman and civic leader and, you know, say what you will about the decision and stuff like that, but this isn't some young, dumb kid running around with more money than he knows what he's to do with and is, isn't handling this well. I'd say, given all the circumstances, I can't imagine many more people being able to handle it any better than LeBron James has. And yeah. you look around the league, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, this isn't the early 2000s. You don't have the, the jailblazers. You don't have Gilbert Arenas' situations. 
And it seems like Jackson still mentally is in that that world almost. Or maybe he just doesn't like James's business associates. I don't know. It, it was just such a strange thing to say. It was, and and when you when you talk about business, when you when you talk about business partners, and you also talk about uh, posse. That when when he said posse, the first person I thought of was ironically Maverick Carter, who mm-hmm. ended up slamming this whole thing anyway. Like that's his posse, you know. It, of all people, Maverick Carter, who's a you know an upstanding business person who's associated with you know some NBA people, and it's 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 and it's bizarre. And I agree with you. I think it's why has, is he why is he stuck in the nineties? Yeah, yeah, Maverick Carter, who has been with LeBron from the beginning and built LeBron James into a, you know, mega brand and kept him out of trouble and developed his own businesses on the side. I mean, Maverick Carter is nothing but a successful, hugely successful businessman, as is LeBron James. Uh, yeah, it's bizarre. It was a weird week. And then also this week we had Dan Dakich lobbing grenades at LeBron for sitting out the second game of a back-to-back after LeBron James has been, how many NBA finals has he been to in a row now? Is it six? Seven? Right? I think it might seven? be seven. I think it might be seven. It's a lot. It's 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 more than one, which is which is a huge in and of itself. And I mean, you see this with other players if they go back to back deep postseason runs. You saw this with the Celtics in '08 and '09. You saw it with the Lakers. They're, all their bodies break down. They can't handle it. It's like playing another extra half a season. LeBron James has done that six or seven times in a row, you know, playing probably 10 seasons worth of games in that time period. And the dude, you know, took a night off. And anyway, the main point that Charles and I are trying to make here is be cool to LeBron James. He's very good. <laughs> exactly. And and also, if, if LeBron really wanted to to counter something, which, I, you know, he doesn't have to. He's LeBron James. Um, he just has to point to what the Spurs do. I, I mean, the Spurs have gotten ahead of this. Um, more than other teams, and I think other teams are catching on a little bit. In fact, the Cavaliers are with LeBron James. You can't play an 82 game season if you're an older yeah. dude who's, you know, wearing your tires. You just you you can't do it. And the NBA schedule is made for those rest periods. And uh, the NBA, if they don't want this to happen, they can fix it by reducing the schedule, which we know is not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, when Tim Duncan does it, he's smart, and the Spurs are smart. When LeBron James does it, he's lazy. The whole thing's <laughs> so silly, absurd. And- Anyway, all right. Let's. I wanted to talk about the Knicks. We've we've concluded the part where we just say everyone be chill on LeBron James. With the Knicks, it's an interesting team. It's a, it's sort of a retread of about three years ago Bulls teams with Carmelo and Kristaps Porzingis. They're sort of running the triangle, but not really. Uh, What's the mood like in New York right now with this team? Is it sort of like, oh God, we're we're squandering this away? Is there excitement about about the young Porzingis? What's what's the mood in 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 the in the streets of New York? I, I say that like see- you're not just a, a dad hanging out with your kid all day. <laughs> I know you I got can, your ear to the streets. Oh sure, yeah. No, all my all my all my sources uh, of of fans, are, you know, are are calling me up. No, I I think that that you know I gauge it sort of somewhat. You know, in this insular world that I live in, even though I, you know, I live in New York City, you know, I don't necessarily go to every game or anything like that. I am going to a game soon, though. Point is, you look at the back covers of the of the, the the tabloid. That's your sort of your your indicator. And so when Porzingis was was benched earlier uh, in the season, it was like, oh God, what are you do? What are you doing? Stop! Hold on! Wait! You know, treat him nicely. Give him kid gloves. You know, really, this is a young guy. You don't want to mess with his head this early. And I I personally had flashes of, oh, there it goes. They, we're going to squander another one, aren't we? 
And then he responded. And that was when, you know, he had that huge game the other night where he, you know, made that amazing face after the dunk that just made him look silly and goofy and also menacing in his own way, as menacing as Christoph Porzingis can look. And you start to think, no, 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 the the untapped potential is getting pulled out of him. And I think that's really, um, really making fans feel better. They're not quite there yet um, as a team. And I think part of the problem for Porzingis, and this is just my own sort of personal analysis, is when you're on a team with Carmelo Anthony, and we can talk about Jeremy Lin with this, you, do, do you defer to him? Do you, you know, how do you work with him? How do you, you know, kind of coexist? And other uh, players like Derek Rose, who deserves, you know, uh, respect, and, and you want to give him some shots. And so I think there's a little bit of that muddled confusion mm-hmm. to figure out, like, what to do next. So, uh, you know, that's kind of my take. I'm watching that game, that, that Porzingis, if you miss it, Kristaps uh, Porzingis went, uh, the second-year player out of Latvia who's seven foot three and can shoot the ball from beyond the three-point arc, which you'd think would be a pretty useful offensive player to have on your team. Uh, he went for 35 points against the Pistons. Madison Square Garden was buzzing, really exciting. He had a great block at the end. Uh, looking at that game and the fact that Porzingis isn't even starting all the time because... They, they want to get Joakim Noah in there, and, and I can sort of understand how it might be a little bit awkward to play the two of them, especially on the defensive end, just because they're both mostly comfortable under the hoop. It's still bizarre to me that, A, this team has three really expressive offensive players in Rose when he's healthy, but even then, you know, Rose can do that. Carmelo and, and Porzingis... And they're trying to run a offense that relies on off-ball screens and stuff. Like, just go. Like, just go. <laughs> like, why are we? Why are we sitting around here? Like, just. I almost think someone like D'Antoni would be sort of great for this offense, just because. Oh, like, totally. Whatever. Like, just Porzingis and Carmelo stretch the floor, and and Rose trying to attack the paint. How do you? With, with with Noah, you know, attacking the the basket off of screens, how how are you supposed to defend that? I don't. I, I feel like they should be scoring 120 points every game. And they should, but they. But I think that's part of what's sort of holding them back is like this identity. And we can go back to Phil there. You know, Phil Jackson wants them to run this triangle. We heard we've heard about it ever since he came to the Knicks. It's like they, you know, he's he's here and he's uh, he's telling the players, you know, whispering in their ears about the triangle. And oh, they took him to triangle camp back, and and it's like just enough like sometimes your team isn't built for the offense that you want to you know it's a square peg uh, round hole thing it, it's just don't try to do that try to see what your your identity is and build it that way i mean I, I think of you know your team the boston celtics kind of being run that way it's like okay well we have all these guys who can do different things let's try to fit in roles where they they should be you know where isaiah thomas can can do his thing um, you know, and, and our, our, you know, mix of big men can can do, you know, inside outside when we have certain lineups on the floor. The Knicks aren't trying to do that. It seems it seems like, you know, they're going to get in their own heads. And it's a little nerve wracking, you know, for a team that's now sort of built to start winning games to see that's still a problem. So it, yeah, I think, you know, that yeah. makes me nervous. But knowing that we have a, a Christoph Porzingis who can do it all and is starting to do it all, it's, it's very comforting in its own way because at least we have that, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, I've watched probably three Knicks games this year in their entirety. I've watched highlights of other games and, you know, trying to figure out what to do. It's so interesting. You know, they wanted Courtney Lee to be kind of this 
triangle style point guard. Kind of oversized for the job, can shoot a little bit, sort of just holds things up, gets, gets the offense moving, doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot. That's not working. It's clear. And so for me, I almost think you just, you know, my, my previous assessment, I know it's going to be nerve-wracking, but just open her up. You know, let Brandon Jennings yeah. go nuts. Let Derrick Rose run the floor. Let let Carmelo shoot from wherever he wants to shoot the ball. I know he, he kind of slows things down, but whatever. You know, like incorporate him into things. Get get Kristaps lining up outside the line and daring other centers to come out there and guard him and open stuff up for him. I just it just seems like this is a fun team that can do some stuff and they're trying to get them to to adhere to something. My theory, and, and this is just sort of looking around at, at, at the numbers and both kind of how the team is identity-wise on the floor, I kind of want Brandon Jennings to be their, their point guard because he's a little more, he's acting at least like a more true point guard. You know, he wasn't totally that way earlier in his career. Yeah. Uh, but I really like him as a facilitator, whereas Derrick Rose isn't as much of a facilitator. You know, he's obviously looking for his own shot because he can because he's Derrick Rose, even if he has broken down Derrick Rose, you know, not yeah. the MVP that we once knew. But yeah, if you just get one shooter off the floor, one kind of you know ball handler who needs the ball in his hands off the floor, perfect. And Courtney Lee is supposed to be the three and D guy, so you know line him up in the corner. I agree with you. You know don't, you don't necessarily need to let him facilitate. You know he's he's sort of the guy who's supposed to just stand in the corner. You know wait for the double team for, for Melo or wait for the double team to come to Porzingis and and you know hit that three. So they're still figuring out their identity. I think that's kind of the it's ultimate. A, it's uh, a bizarre team. I'm looking at the roster. Yeah. It's a bizarre yeah. team. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I picked them to, I think, snag the eight seed. I don't think that's totally out of reach. They're five and seven. No, it's not unreasonable at all. Not at all. And that's, a, you know, and here's the thing. Carmelo is going to win you eight games a year because he's Carmelo. And maybe not eight, but five, probably. Just because he'll, <laughs> he'll do what he does and he'll drop 40 and, and everyone will go nuts. And, there, and he still has those nights, even at whatever age he is, he still has those nights where you can just see he's locked in, he's not going to miss. And you can just get him the ball and things get simple. And I think you're going to have a few more Porzingis games. We'll toss in a random Derrick Rose game or two, and I think you can get, you can get to 43, 44 wins, and that's probably going to be enough for the 8th seed, or even that might be good enough for the 4th seed in the East, because... Yeah, Lord, what's you don't know on? right now. Um, elsewhere in the East, quickly, we're, we're doing a quick pod today. I'm just, I miss talking about the NBA, and Charles and I like the NBA. We're like the two NBA guys on staff. Um, Cavs are great. We knew that was going to happen. The Hawks, 9-2. and two. I, Yeah, I'm impressed. I didn't see this. I thought this was the, we lost Horford. We're handing the offense over to Schroeder. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. We're going to finish with 44 wins and, and hope that we can nab a free agent or something. Hawks out to a 9-2 and two start. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Did you – any chance you saw this coming? I didn't see it coming like this, and obviously it's early, and, and we have you know uh, uh, an eighth of the season done, so it's you know we, we still got a lot of time to go. So in coming into this podcast uh, and and thinking, oh great, I'm going to talk NBA with Nate, uh, I was like, what is the one of the biggest surprises in the NBA this year? Maybe I can talk about that. I would actually vote for Dwight Howard, 
Uh, and here's why is, you know, I'm, I've never been the huge fan of Dwight Howard. I think, you know, yeah. he, he has his talents and he's always been, you know, uh, he can score, a guy can, can rebound. But, you know, do I really, you know, the rumors that the Knicks might get him. I was like, no, 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 do not want him. But what I've seen yeah. out of Dwight Howard this year is, you know, he's fit into this role. He's, you know, sort of in his home area of in Atlanta and he's just looked a lot better now all that talk about him shooting threes I no 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 enough of that let's yeah. like, let's get that off the table just do what you're doing Dwight Howard you're doing just fine and I think that's really helping them excel and I you know obviously Paul Millsap is is turning out to be you know a really solid he's not necessarily a number one banana but I really love what he can do and I've always loved what he can do and and uh, you know it's, it's nice to see him sort of become that the star of that team uh, and and to see Schrader just you know he he looks like very comfortable. Teague is being Teague is it, being gone. No big is it deal. Schroeder or Schroeder or Schroeder. Schre- you know, we might need an umlaut, so it might be Schroeder. Schroeder. You know, I think that's Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here's what I will say. Right now, it's working. Dwight Howard's doing the thing where he just parks his butt underneath the hoop, and no one can get in there, and it just frees everyone else up to be ball hawks on defense, and it's awesome. I have seen this play before, and I'm not getting ready to write in the Hawks into the into the Eastern Conference Finals yet, because Dwight Howard can be a nightmare. He just can't. My big thing with is he's not funny, and he thinks he's funny, which is a terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he. Yes. I think he thinks yes. he's a comedian, but he's not, which is the very worst type of person. And I think other te- it just drives teams insane. I think it just drives his teammates insane because he's trying to make jokes. And at the beginning of the year, they laugh because whatever, he's the new guy and he has four blocks a game. But I think come end of the year, that will be a problem. Anything else that. in the anyone anyone else in the NBA you've been pleasantly surprised by? Uh, the Clippers. I mean, what what are the Clippers doing? Everything. I'm They're doing everything away. right. They're blowing it out. It's it's that's the the biggest surprise in the NBA. I was an idiot. I didn't. I should have seen it coming. I I, I yeah. did my season preview and I was like, yeah, same guys, same old thing. And I had like I wrote the sentence. Oh, maybe that you know while everything else is changing, the Clippers just kept everything the same. They're gonna come out firing. And then I was like, no, Nate, you fool. <laughs> they're it's they're bored they're it's old news they're done and i picked them to finish like fifth i think but they're awesome chris paul's they're, amazing yeah it's it's you know and chris paul who's who's at lasik so you know maybe that's helped him there win a few go. more games now but it's it's uh, it speaks to something that i think you, you think about with like the hawks i mean the hawks have a little bit of different situation because they lost uh horford but yeah. you look at a team like the Clippers staying together, and then you look at the Golden State Warriors, who are, you know, while they are still excelling, they are not playing well defensively. Some of that's going to come together when they come together as a team. So you look at the Clippers, and they're just like, well, you know, business as usual. We can do this. We've done this for the last X amount of seasons. Like, let's just keep on doing what we do. And I think that's really helping. And, and to have Blake Griffin kind of back and healthy and head in the game, you know, I think that's, that's all helping in a huge way. All right. Are you changing anything about your preseason prediction? Are we still heading to a Warriors, Cavaliers, NBA Finals? I don't think I'm changing anything, but the Toronto Raptors, man, I'd really just like to see what they can do. Maybe the Cavaliers have like a little Super Bowl hangover, if you want, you know, the equivalent of a Super Bowl hangover, you know. So, yeah. I, you know, man, you know, just seeing and speaking of things that we wrote in the preseason, you know, last year I wrote uh, early in the summer, I want to say, you know, I said uh, how many, you know, the contracts that were kind of iffy this this offseason season. And DeMar DeRozan, I think, was one of them, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. just because I said, you know, look, like it's a lot of money. You're giving him a max contract. And while he is the, the sort of the, the centerpiece scorer on that team, he may not be worth that money. 
totally wrong. Way off. Totally I wrong. Not he had a sixth year somewhere in there and a yeah. scoring year that has yeah, he's gone unconscious. So obviously leads the NBA at the moment in scoring. Never saw that coming. So, you know, maybe that carries them to, you know, uh, get past the, the Cavaliers. Uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I'm, anyway, I'm trying to sell it. I, I like what you're doing. Anyway, Charles, man, awesome talking to you. And uh, we're, we're doing the quick pod today. But let's let's round up soon, talk more NBA. I want to know what's going on with this Knicks experiment because it's fascinating to me. Otherwise, uh, read, us come on, back. read us on ftw.usatoday.com. Charles, you're on, what's, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at by Charles Curtis. By Charles Curtis. I'm at A. Nate Scott. That's good stuff. Buddy, let's talk soon and uh, have a great weekend. You too.